Welcome to the latest episode of The Grower and the Economist. I'm Michelle Klieger, The Economist. And I'm Peter Conjoyan, The Grower. Each week, we team up to tackle the biggest challenges facing small and medium-sized growers. We're one part grower and one part economist, just like your business. We are back this week with a special bonus episode from Greta Zaro and Ben Tyler of Onadilia Community Farms. You may remember last week we met with them and they told us about their research on dynamic accumulators. At one point during the conversation, we took a detour into the definition of permaculture. We felt that this was a valuable standalone episode, so here it is as a bonus episode. Enjoy. Am I correct in uh, thinking that if we are using dynamic accumulators on our farm, that I'm going to use the analogy of crop rotation here, that um, you you may not want to over extract from a plot of soil. So you may not be permanently using this dynamic accumulator in one location, or we may then deplete the particular nutrient that, that we're trying to extract. Yeah, so some good examples of this would be like barley, which is commonly grown as a cover crop to help tie up nitrogen. And it's also a dynamic accumulator of potassium on top of that. So this you can then have in a crop rotation, um, have a fallow field, seed it with barley, and then it helps to tie up the nitrogen, prevent that from leaching out um, over the winter, for example. And then it's tying up that nitrogen in its above ground parts, which then die and get incorporated into the soil. And then time release that nitrogen back out so it's available to your crops again. So that's an example of a dynamic accumulator being used in a crop rotation to promote nutrient cycling on the farm, to keep the farm more of a closed loop system so you're not leaching out that nitrogen when your fields are fallow over the winter or between cash crops. Um, and then another application would be to have a like a permanent bed of stinging nettle or comfrey, for example, which are two perennial crops. You might have difficulty trying to have those in a, in a crop rotation plan. They need their own dedicated bed. And then you can be using them to extract specific nutrients from that bed and then bring that over to another bed on your farm that might be deficient in a specific nutrient. I'd like to hear more about permaculture and how you guys are uh, dedicating your effort all right, so the term permaculture was coined in the 70s and 80s, and it's um, a contraction of permanent agriculture, meaning looking at agricultural systems rather than uh, as extractive systems of trying to extract the nutrition from the soil and extract cash crops and then sell them and leave the soil depleted to instead look at the longer term picture, the long term sustainability of, um, of the nutrient management on your farm. So permaculture then went on to expand. It was really picked up and taken around the world and people were really into it. And so now it's seen more to be a shortening of the term permanent culture rather than permanent agriculture, because these practice or this, um, this concept of looking at the long-term implications of our practices, um, that can really be applied to all aspects of life. Um, but in terms of farming, uh, I guess the most classic illustration 
of permaculture practices is the, the use of perennial plants, either fruit trees or berry shrubs or nut trees or even timber, basically agroforestry practices on the farm. And agroforestry is um, all about realizing that, uh, that trees and shrubs actually are really beneficial for a farm. They can help stabilize the soil, prevent erosion, um, slow down the wind, diversify your income sources. Um, but really, permaculture can be applied in in other ways too, or just the concept of long-term sustainability. I think farmers all over the world are are starting to think more in this in this way, as we've seen over the past decades, the uh, the long-term effects of extractive farming practices degrading the soil and creating some pretty serious environmental catastrophes. Mm-hmm. And I think also it, for me, it means kind of like assessing your situation, your region, and using resources that are local to that region, or, you know, as much as possible, aiming for a closed loop system. And again, as Ben was saying, that extends beyond just agriculture. You know, we look at that in terms of the natural building practices that we do too. So it's really this holistic lens in a way of like reducing your environmental footprint and being adaptive to the environment around you. Also, um, yeah, you could look at the economic sustainability of a farming operation. And we see, you know, profit margins in farming being razor thin, the costs of imported amendments continuing to rise while the, 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 the price of different crops is not keeping pace. Um, so something like dynamic accumulators, a, uh, a practice that could have potential for on-farm closed-loop nutrient cycling to help limit your economic costs, limit the amount of purchased amendments and imports you need to bring onto the farm. That also is um, is another side of like the long-term sustainability of a farming operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you are in a conversation with a traditional farmer, and he or she asks, "Well, what can I do? Where do I start?" Um, what's the answer? What, what are the low-hanging fruit, so to speak, on uh, if, if a farmer wants to become more sustainable, more permanent? How do you engage in a conversation like that? What does it sound like? So I think actually dynamic accumulators is a good way to potentially start looking into these kind of practices. Um, I mean, I think something as simple as like on-site composting is a great way to get started with cycling your your nutrients on site and using, you know, your waste products and turning that into nutrient-rich soil. So, um, and that's a major part of our program too, is teaching people how to compost in that whole operation. And we also work with, you know, sort of part of the, the permaculture idea I was saying of like being adaptive to your environment is like we create um, relationships with local stakeholders in the area, like natural food stores that have you know, produce that's going to waste or um, even cardboard that would be recycled, we can use that for sheet mulching. So that's part of it too, is like, hmm, what are different resources in my local area that I could use, bring onto the farm, you know, turn it into compost, turn it into material that I can use on the farm. Excellent. So Greta, I think what you're helping me understand as one is the old timer of the group is that, okay, we, we, currently have farmers that understand what compost tea is, that understand composting, but now some of the research that you guys have been contributing to, we we can now go back a step. We can go upstream a step from the actual compost tea and say, okay, 
learn about dynamic accumulation, learn about some of these species of plants, because that's going to end up giving you a more nutrient-dense or nutrient-rich compost tea after all of your efforts. Am, am I reading correctly? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 